Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Be with you tonight. I appreciate everyone that's back. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do tonight. If you have your Bible, Hebrews 12. You know, one of the blessings, and your pastor can give testimony to this, is the the various relationships that you're able to be a part of when you're on the mission field, when you're overseas in an international environment, uh, other uh, missionaries, other Americans, even outside of our uh, fellowship uh, who love the Lord, uh, they tend to kind of be drawn together. We have the common nationality, of course, and common experiences. And, and there was one couple in particular in Madagascar we got to know in various functions. Uh, and uh, this uh, husband, the father of this family, was telling me the story about his son named Paul. And uh, Paul had been raised in Madagascar. He was part of this missionary family, uh, uh, raised in church. And, and when he came of age, he'd been there many, many years, he had a desire to come back to America and go to school. Uh, he was looking forward to that, and the family was supportive of that. And he had also uh, had a lot of athletic talent. He was looking forward to playing sports in college, and, and so he pursued that. But his dad was telling me what happened, that his son, while playing, uh, you know, uh, sport, I can't remember what he told me it was, but he gets seriously injured. And in that happening, this, this, you know, caused his son to be shaken because he wasn't going to be able to play that sport anymore. In fact, this really changed his life uh, drastically. And his father was telling me this story because he was concerned about his son, that his, fun, his son, uh, his faith was shaken because of this experience. And even though he had been raised in church around other people that had faith in God, raised in a Christian home, whose uh, his family members, his father and mother, they were uh, uh, believers, somehow in the midst of all that, he had failed to develop and establish his own personal strong faith, the kind of faith that is necessary to help us to overcome in the midst of the shakings of life. This text we're going to read is uh, the Apostle Paul quoting an Old Testament text uh, talking about how God has promised to shake the world. And so I want to talk about that this evening in a sermon I've titled, Shaken But Still Standing. Uh, And let's begin reading Hebrews 12, verse 25. It says this, See that uh, you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. 
Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace or let us be thankful, that's what that phrase means, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, shaken but still standing. I want to consider first with you the uncertainties of life. You know, uh, you know, most of us live our lives with a sense of control. We make plans, uh, we live our lives, we work jobs, we have expectations about our future. For most of our lives, every new day is like the day before. But recently, we discovered that that sense of control is in fact an illusion. And so you've got to ask, well, what is certain in life? Well, they say there are two things certain in life, and one of those is death, and the other is taxes. And, uh, but in our text, we discover a third, uh, and that is the shaking of this world. It's something that we can expect, uh, uh, and not only the world around us, but our own personal world, because he says this, uh, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. We are the children of heaven. We're part of the kingdom of heaven. And so whatever heaven experiences, uh, uh, you know, then translates and impacts our life. There's a story of a man named Job in the Old Testament, Job chapter 1. We read about him, and he is a man who's world was shaken. If you've ever read it, you know the story, how uh, Satan comes before the Lord in uh, verse 12 of Job chapter 1. And he says, uh, and the Lord says to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. And now there was a day when the sons, uh, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine with, in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the donkeys were feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided them, took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, took them away, yea, uh, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, uh, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters are eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Uh, and suddenly a great wind came uh, from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, uh, and it fell on the young people, and they are all dead, uh, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of bad news. And so here's Satan attacking Job. It's not, he didn't ask for this. It's not even what he's expecting. It comes out of the blue, you know. And so he's experiencing one terrible tragedy after another, all very quickly. He loses his wealth, loses his property, loses his family. Finally, as you continue to read Job chapter 2, uh, it talks about how his health was attacked. He had boils. He's there sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, it's a very, uh, you know, a sad moment in his life. Uh, uh, it seems like he has uh, lost everything. In fact, his wife is so discouraged, she challenges him, why don't you just curse God and die? It's, this is ridiculous. It's too much. And, you know, as we've experienced 
cataclysmic events, truly, for the first time in our generation, with the pandemic and you know COVID, and it seems like everything has been turned upside down. Uh, uh, various forces are at work uh, attacking the family, uh, uh, working through the school system, open border, you name it, uh, uh, the disease, the masking, the lockdown, uh, and it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. How many remember that it was going to be two weeks, 15 days to flatten the curve? That was two years ago. And so, you know, people have lost their jobs, they've lost their businesses, they're forced to separate from friends and family. I want to tell you, that's all uh, an attack of the devil. I mean, the whole social distancing thing, the, you know, masking up, now we're afraid of everyone. Everyone is a carrier, everyone is a potential life-threatening uh, person that they, we can't get close to. We're sanitizing everything, even people caught themselves on fire using sanitizer, you know, and it's, it's just, you know, it's beyond belief. And many are afraid of what might happen in the future. And the truth is, Jesus said that we would experience tribulation. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a mild version of that. And how bad it will get, you know, you know, uh, in, you know, you go, we don't really know how bad it's going to get now, but eventually it's going to get worse. So we've discovered that one thing is for sure, and that is that nothing is for sure. And maybe you feel like the world, or more specifically your world, feels like it's falling apart. And it's during times like this that we discover the kind of people we are. We discover what we're made of. In fact, it begins to expose some things about us. And there's a reason for that. It says in verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promising yet once more, shake not only the earth, but also Heaven, verse 27, now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And so in times like this, in these difficult times and uncertain times, uh, things that can be exposed uh, about our life. And so here is our verse where God says he has promised to do this. He's the original promise keeper, by the way. But I doubt that this promise is going to make it in one of those little God's promise books that he's going to shake the world and possibly cause all kinds of uh, difficulties. But it's in our Bible to warn you and I to be prepared. That this is something that God has determined to happen and we cannot uh, avoid it. And it happens in a number of ways. The shaking, yes, uh, how many, do they have earthquakes here in Virginia? I, I grew up in California. We had earthquakes all the time. They shook the house. And uh, I, they're, they're wild things to experience. Uh, but I think he's talking about more the, just the, you know, the circumstances that are happening in the world around us. And even in our own personal life, we go through difficulties. Like this young man I spoke of, he had an injury and this changed his life. Suddenly all of his plans and all his expectations shifted and he realized things were not going to be the same. And we go through difficulties in life. Financial stresses, personal health issues. There's the threat of the loss uh, 
uh, of a loved one, or perhaps you even have lost a loved one. People have died because of this disease that happened because some mad scientists decided they wanted to play around with a bat virus, a deadly bat. Can you imagine? COVID-19. What are we going to do when COVID-20 comes? Because they're still in the laboratory, as of right now, still doing the exact same thing. Nothing has stopped. And so all of these things that are happening in the world, you know, with the you know, political arena and it's just the insanity, riot, you know, we experience all those rioting in the streets and all of that stuff. It all works to create uncertainties about our future. And just like Job, the devil attacks us. He takes advantages of, you know, of the current circumstances. He wants to not only uh, uh, you know, destroy us, but in the midst of that, he wants to shake us. He wants to shake our faith in God. He wants to create instability and uncertainty and fear uh, uh, in, in our lives. Uh, and it works against our minds to produce fear and confusion and doubt. He wants to cause us to lose hope. And I don't know about you, but in the last couple of years, I've been challenged. What do I really believe? And if you, you know, I remember one time I was, uh, I, you know, I'd like to say that I've always just been a man of faith and power, you know. But I remember I went to a men's uh, rally uh, there in Arizona. And so the, after the final uh, seminar, I'm going with the pastor to his church. I'm going to preach a revival. And on the way in the parking lot to his car, suddenly I get a pain. And, it's, and, and, and I'm breaking out in a sweat. My eyes, everything gets blurry. And next thing you know, I'm laying over the hood of a car there in the parking lot. And I can't move. And I've got this pain I've never had before. And I'm going, what the heck's going on? And the pastor helps me over. And I'm there at that school where they have the rally. The pastor probably knows. And I'm laying down on the ground looking up. And all these men are looking down at me. What's wrong? Like, you got to take me to the hospital. So they rush me over there. And I, I want to tell you, my first thought is I'm going to die. And it's amazing how that impacts your thinking. And, you know, thoughts of faith and, uh, you know, trusting God did not come to my mind. <laughs> and I managed to get through it. I'm here today. I didn't die. And, uh, but that, that will challenge you. You find out quickly what you believe or don't believe. And so this shaking is a process with a purpose. He says, yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are mean, that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. So the result, as we go through difficulties in our life, things are exposed. Things are exposed about what we believe or what we don't believe. Perhaps, uh, uh, you, you know, tendencies that we have to feel insecure or afraid or discouraged uh, uh, begin to manifest themselves. Things that were latent, things that were lurking under the surface subconsciously. Doubts about God and His promises. And these things are exposed in us so that they can be removed out of our lives. We discover something else. Perhaps failures to maintain certain Christian disciplines. You know, the thing about the Christian life, you know, we're challenged to pray always. 
But the typical Christian doesn't pray. We somehow get it into our mind that we're above that. We're exempt from that. We're excused from that. We don't really need to stay connected to God. But when you go through difficult times like what's been happening in the last couple of years, and you are feeling fearful and discouraged and filled with doubt, guess what? You don't have the faith that you need. And one of the more powerful ways we have to maintain that faith and confidence in God is to spend some time communicating with Him. When God speaks to you, He encourages. He strengthens you. But many Christians find themselves in a terrible place and because they have neglected a prayer life, they don't know what to do. They're filled with confusion. They've lost the connection with God. Others have not been diligent to read their Bible. You know, you should read your Bible every day. Amen. You know, as a Christian, I, you know, I, I, you know, I've you know, been in, I don't know how many services, listening to how many sermons and verses are quoted. But, you know, apart from that, you need your own personal daily Bible reading. And I remember uh, I was uh, pastoring in Romania, and I was thinking, you know, uh, could I honestly say that I had read the entire Bible? And, and I thought about it, and I said, well, you know, really, I can't say that I, you know, honestly, that I had read the entire Bible. I read portions of it. We all have our favorite chapters and, and stories in the Bible that we like to read. But to read cover to cover. And I thought, well, you know, that's not right. And, and I had gotten this Bible reading guide years before. It was in my library. Once in a while, as I was going through my books, I would see it. And I wasn't doing any, anything with it, but I thought, you know what, I, you know, I should probably read through the Bible. So I pulled it out, and I'm looking at it, and so it's you know, one of these guides, you see them, and you can find them online, and you know, they lay it all out for you even. Uh, and, but basically, it's four chapters a day, and you can read through the whole Bible in a year. This particular guide I was following was a little bit more intense. So I read the Old Testament all the way through once, the New Testament through twice the book of Psalms twice, and on top of that, I read the book of Proverbs 12 times every year. And so, I've been doing this now 20 years, 20 plus years. I've read the Old Testament all the way through at least 20 times. The New Testament, 40 times. The book of Psalms, 40 times. And the book of Proverbs, you'll have to do the math uh, you know, I'm not sure altogether how many times, but it's been a lot. Uh, and you know how long it takes me? About 20 minutes a day. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so faith is a critical component of our Christian experience. If we're going to be successful, we've got to have faith in God. Especially when you go through uncertain times, where things are being shaken and all the assaults of the enemy upon everything that you believe in and, and, and have established your life. Uh, you, you know, I'll tell you, the devil hates you. And the culture of this world hates you. And every once in a while, they're exposed and that's proven to be true, but you know, hidden in the shadows is, is a uh, hell itself that is aligned against everything you believe in. See, God allows the shaking for a purpose. He wants to expose these things in our life so that we can deal with them and we can work to overcome them. 
exposing anything that might hinder our faith or our confidence in God and His promises and our understanding about God and His plans for our life. See, the devil wants to shake you, take advantage of the shaking that's happening in the world, but also to shake you personally uh, so that you give up. You ever wonder why some people aren't here tonight? Well, ultimately, they've lost faith along the way. Their circumstances, their difficulties, the enemy's coming against their mind. Uh, you know, every new convert goes through this. You know, it's a real miracle when any new convert survives. Most do not. Because the devil comes immediately to take the word that is sown. Well, what is produced by the word? Faith. So he attacks their faith and their confidence in God. You know, you think about it. They come into a church like this, and it's an absolute miracle if they do. You know, we had a couple here just earlier, right? The man, he hated it. The woman was getting into it. She was getting blessed. He didn't like it. And so he overrode her, and they both left because she was concerned about him. He had no faith that this was going to make any impact on his life, that it could be a help at all. But then there are others that are not here that you know of, I don't know, that maybe they used to be. But somewhere along the line, the shakings of life, whatever their circumstances were, however the enemy assaulted their mind and their family, they lost hope. And then they are now out and cast adrift away from what God has for them. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. And so God says, I am going to shake the world, and there are many purposes uh, uh, for that, but for you and I, ultimately, He wants us to be aware of anything that might hinder us, because if we can't handle what's going on now, how are we going to handle COVID-20? How are we going to handle, Jesus said in this life you would experience tribulation. How are you going to handle it when it gets worse? Are you going to have the faith you need to overcome?
Are you going to be able to ride that out in victory, believing God that regardless of what you see happening around you, you can have the victory, you can have joy and confidence in God? See, God's desires expose anything that might hinder your walk, anything that might trip you up in the future, anything that might cause instability in your life. Remove those things so what is left behind is strong and unmovable. But also, I think it's a reminder to us that this world is coming to an end. When I first got saved many years ago, it was the topic of the day, the end of the world. Now it's almost passe. Hardly ever talked about. But it's like, you go, you know, we don't have too many Christian bookstores anymore. But back in the day, there used to be lots of them. And shelves filled with book after book talking about the end times. And in relating to world events. And, and it was fresh. There was an expectation that Jesus could come back at any time. And so when we go through the difficulties that we have been experiencing, uh, pandemic, etc., it helps to remind us, you know what, that this world is, uh, is temporary. And we need to always remember that, that Jesus is coming back. I think it's also designed by God to shake us from our complacency because we also, in, in, in light of our uh, apathy about end times uh, doctrines, uh, is that we kind of lose the sense of urgency about those around us who are not yet saved. Friends and family, and we just kind of think, well, they're, they're good, but are they saved? What will happen if they die? People have died from COVID. Maybe people you know. Were they saved? See, being good is not good enough. Being religious doesn't get us through the gates. We have to have a relationship with Jesus. And it used to be that we wanted to tell everybody about that. We wanted everyone to know. We wanted to at least give them an opportunity to hear the truth. And so I think God wants us to be shaken from our complacency. Also, I think it's designed by God to help sinners realize that they need to repent. Yeah, I don't know about you and... But, you know, going through the last couple of years and all that's happened, uh, you know, I was challenged. And I, w- I think about sinners who don't know Jesus. Can you imagine? What are they? they have nothing to believe in. Politics? What did that get them? $5 a gallon gas? People running crazy in the streets? You know, and so, you know, where is their hope? So sinners going through all of this, no doubt, are questioning what's going on. What, what does the future hold? And, and they're, they're, you know, second-guessing maybe some attitudes that they had about their, you know, their eternal condition. I think there's an openness. There's an openness in people. And maybe you've noticed that when you've gone in outreach. I've heard testimony after testimony of pastors who tell me that now when they go out, people are at least open to listen. They're willing to interact and communicate and even question and consider that maybe there's more to life than just what they're experiencing and maybe reconsidering their spiritual condition. So that brings us to my last point, and that is standing strong in the midst of the shaking. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle writes in uh, verse 10, 
Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, rulers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now that's quite an array of spiritual forces that are coming against your life and my life. What you don't find in here is God preventing them from coming against your life. All you have, in fact, is an admonition, a challenge by Paul to be ready that they're coming. The enemy's coming. And they're organized. And they're powerful. And they're working together against you and I But he gives this challenge to stand. In fact, in verse 13, he says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so God allows the enemy to come against your life. He allows the enemy to push against you challenge you to shake us to test our strength to find out what we're made of to find out what we believe every student dreads the quiz we don't like to be tested do we amen but every teacher understands they have to test their students to find out what they know and you don't understand what you know until you're put to the test And being tested, God doesn't tempt you to sin, but He will test you. And that's found all through the Bible. And so three times in this scripture, Paul challenges you and I to stand. To stand is a posture to do battle. He says, take on the whole armor of God as you read through this text. And he says, we don't fight against each other, but we're fighting against the devil. And we have to take the posture and the attitude of a soldier that is willing to do battle to resist the forces that would come against us to seek to make us afraid and discouraged and want to overcome our lives. When you go through these times of shaking, it's, you begin to feel unstable, uncertain. And so I, I need a volunteer. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your help. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate your willingness. And so the, the enemy comes against us. And, and this is what Paul is saying. So, no, come over here. Come here. I'm not going to bite you. No, stand and face me. And so he comes against and he wants to push us. And so this is typical. This is what happens. He just knocks us right down. And we're unable to resist him. But Paul says, no. You need to put on. You need to stand. You need to have an attitude that you're not going to be pushed around. So when he comes against you, uh, uh, you know, now the, the idea is you're supposed to stand. And, and Now look out. I want you to notice him. Look what he did. He moved his foot back to brace himself. Because he says, you're not going to push me anymore. I'm embarrassed now. And so, you know, I'm coming against him. And and what you don't see, because he's wearing his shirt, but now his core is engaged. His six-pack is tightened. And he's ready to resist. And see, that's the attitude. 
But mostly we're like what he was a minute ago. The devil comes against us and we're just, we're just knocked down, pushed around, and left just wallowing on the ground. Confused. What is going on? Paul says, no, this is what's going on. The enemy is coming against you. He's fighting you. He doesn't want you to stay committed. He doesn't want you to be faithful. He doesn't want you to be in church. He doesn't want you to read your Bible. He doesn't want you to share your faith. He doesn't want you to give. He doesn't want you to fulfill the destiny of God. So he's going to attack you and keep attacking you as long as he wins. And Paul says, no, you've got to make a stand. You've got to be willing to fight back and say, no, devil, no, you're not going to have your way in my home against my family, against my wife, against my calling, against this church. Amen. Thank you. He's ready, though. He's ready. <laughs> it usually takes guys a few times before they figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> and so, you know, to stand takes a decision. And, you know, we have to take that attitude to believe God and His promises. See, what comes out of our mouth when we go through the difficult times? Is there a confession of faith or a confession of doubt and fear and confusion? We have to put our uh, confidence in God and His character, especially when we don't see Him. Because God doesn't always uh, you know, make Himself visible. A lot of the Christian experience is a walk of faith. Uh, and so uh, uh, to stand, if we're going to succeed, if we're going to overcome the enemy's strategies, we must have a personal faith. This young man I talked about at the beginning, he was missing that. See, he was, he, you know, his, his father had faith. His pastor had faith. Other believers in the church had faith. But while he was there, he didn't connect with God in the way he needed. So that when he's alone, away from this support system that he had had and, to, and just took for granted, now he doesn't have the faith that he needs. And many times that's exactly where we are. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so Paul is saying, you and I need to have a, a personal faith in the power of God. In other words, a personal revelation of who God is and what He can do. That strengthens you that encourages you, that rises up within you when you go through the difficult times. And so you can measure that in your own life. Are you afraid? Are you discouraged, saddened? Are you troubled by what's going on in the world? Is there any confession of faith and confidence in God in the midst? Do you hear the bad report? See, we can be just like the children of Israel who came to the edge of the promised land. But because they heard the testimony of the giants, they totally forgot about God and all the miracles that He did. How He set them free and, and did supernatural things. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, the water turned to, the Nile turned to blood. That's pretty big. Frogs and, and gnats and, and the sky turning black and all the different things and the firstborn all dying, but those that were under the blood saved. 
And so we need a personal revelation of who God is. Also, we need to seek God for help. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, earlier in that chapter, he says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which is so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so what God began to do in your life uh, from the day you got saved and, and faith was uh, uh, come alive in your heart, listen, God, He doesn't give up on you. And He wants to continue and complete the work that He began in you. He wants you to have a strong faith that you can overcome. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves it's going to be okay. You know, Job, he had every reason to lose his faith, but he didn't. In fact, he had this testimony in Job chapter 1, verse 22, and all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. See, he remained confident in God's character. See, he believed God in spite of his circumstances. I mean, he lost everything. It just wasn't that he was locked down for a couple of months. And the government has made it very convenient for us because they printed lots of money, and some people got richer during... The lockdowns. But then others, you know, uh, you know, nice people who were just trying to do uh, what they could do had businesses that collapsed. They lost everything. Not only that, but the untold toll of human life, uh, suicides way up. Drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, violence and abuse, divorce. All of that was way up. They said that more people lost it. And I remember hearing the testimony that if they chose to do the lockdown, the death toll was going to be higher uh, because of people that were discouraged and locked down in their home and desperate than the toll of the people who died from COVID. And now they've done studies and it's proved out to be true. So it was the wrong decision to make. But those that were in power felt that that was the right way to go. But more people died uh, from desperation through the COVID crisis than did from the disease itself. And so Job, he confessed something about God in the midst of this in Job 42, verses 1 and 2. And then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. What a, what a confession. He believed that God was able. That in the midst of all the difficulties, all the problems, all that he lost, he said, you know what, God? It doesn't really matter. You're in control. And my circumstances can change and will change because I put my trust in you. You know, the good news is, is that the shaking doesn't last forever. Although now they keep pushing it, huh? Masks, two more weeks on the planes. I have to fly all the time, and I don't like to wear masks. You know, I, I decided to buy the fake mask. You can buy them, fakemaskusa.com. You can get a fake mask. It's just a mesh. I breathe in and out very freely. It looks like a mask, but it's not really a mask. Amen. <laughs> Telling on myself, hallelujah. And it fools everyone. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. But uh, the good news is that even in Job's life, everything turned around. Job 42.10 says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. 
Uh, one of the things that's happened during this COVID craziness is that uh, instead of people, you know, Christians, we're, we're, you know, we're the body of Christ. We're called by God to gather together. And so they shut down churches, didn't they? Did you, have, you were shut down for a while. And, and their goal was that indoor activity. We're super spreaders. How dare you gather together without a mask on indoors? And even Philadelphia, they just reinstituted the mandate. You have to wear masks indoors. And so there was limitations on how many could gather. You had to be so, so many feet. So this whole focus is separation. And you couldn't gather. You couldn't practice your religion. And here's assault on some basic truths. that Desperately, we need to fellowship. And we need to gather. We need the Word of God. We need to, uh, to interact with one another. But this thing has produced fear in our lives. We don't want to get close to others. We have basically uh, turned inward. It's me and mine that I'm concerned about. I, you know, okay, good luck. Hope you make it. And this, this, this impacts the way we think towards each other. Yeah, we've got problems, but other people also have problems. Think of all that you endured, all that you felt, and the desperation and the fear and the confusion and, and all of that. Every single person you know had the same experience, some worse than others. May, you have some faith, but maybe they didn't have the faith that they needed, and they didn't survive spiritually. And they're still struggling because of that. And it's very interesting that it tells us in this text, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You know, that most Christians, if they do pray at all, they only pray for themselves. There's only three people that really matter to us, me, myself, and I. And so most of the focus of our prayer is our personal needs. We don't think about other people. We just have our own life to live and we have our own struggles and our own desires and wants. And so, uh, but in the kingdom of God, it's opposite to what the natural man thinks. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, you don't even worry about those things. Your father already knows that you need those. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God just adds those things. You know, and I tell people all the time, you don't really have to pray for your personal needs. God already knows what you need. So put his plans and his kingdom desires first. Well, what are they? Reaching the law. Give, and it will be given to you. See, the opposite. If you die to yourself, you will live. He that seeks to save his life will lose it. See, the opposite of the way we think. We think it's more blessed to receive than to give. He says, no, it's more blessed to give. How could that be? Well, because as you give, guess what? You do receive. There's a double blessing. The person you give to is blessed. The need is met, whatever that is. But then also that triggers something in the spiritual realm where something is released of God's blessing towards your life. So there's the double blessing. That's why it's more blessed to give than to receive. But in our natural thing, no, no. It's receiving. And because we're selfish by nature, that's, this, that's the carnal nature, we're not thinking about other people. And who would blame Job if all he thought about was his personal problems? He had more problems than any of us have had throughout all of this pandemic. He lost everything, family, 
wealth, business. His marriage was a mess. But he held on to something, held on to his faith in God. But what's interesting is how God responded when he turned from his own needs and began to consider the needs of others. When he prayed for his friends. Not before. And so this is the problem, what happens in these difficult times. Mostly we just kind of hunker down, we withdraw, we isolate, and we just think about ourselves. And this is the time when we need to be thinking about others. Because not only did you go through a difficult time and your faith was shaken, other people's faith was also shaken. But there's good news. God is faithful to help us and to care for us. He knows every situation you have and the things that you need. And he just wants to use our life. He wants to not only see us overcome when the enemy comes against us and we go through difficult times, but he wants us to link together in faith and think about other people. Amen. Let's bow our heads in this place. We so appreciate everyone that's with us. We want to uh, uh, do a couple of things tonight. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.